28 we read, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision that is of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. So here Paul tells us pointedly, specifically, who is a Jew and who is not a Jew. So, of course, the temple priests would have hotly contested this definition of what a Jew actually is. And um, the reason for that being uh, because they define Jew in terms of outward circumcision, according to the sign of the Old Covenant. Um, and, of course, uh, Paul rejected this definition of Jew. He said that a Jew was one who had the circumcision of the heart and that the circumcision of the heart was the true sign of the new covenant, not the circumcision of the flesh. Paul did not say that a Jew was one without outward circumcision, while a Christian was one with inward circumcision. There's a lot of people who might say, well, the Jews have to follow all these laws, and the Christians, we are free from following any laws at all. Well, he has said seriously, uh, very clearly that he is a Jew who is one inwardly. So to a temple uh, priest, of course, this is absolute heresy, rank heresy, in, in fact. Um, but, of course, we don't expect such Jews then or Jews today to accept Paul's definition. But Christians, um, of course, we should understand these things. We should have understanding. And, of course, we should all have understanding of these things. But um, as we read these things, we see uh, that a Jew, a true Jew, is one inwardly. And this is... This is the most clear definition from God. The tribe of Judah, guys. So we're going to be talking about the tribe of Judah and specifically Jeremiah, the prophet, his revelation. So the tribe of Judah consisted of two types of Judahites. There were good Judahites and then there were bad Judahites. The good side of Judah was to receive what is called the dominion mandate. The dominion mandate. If you guys are studying these things, write that down while the bad side was to be rejected by God. So in the prophecy of Jeremiah, we see this picture unfolding. In Jeremiah specifically, chapter 24, it speaks of the nation of Judah being like two baskets of figs. Okay? Jeremiah speaks of the nation of Judah being like two baskets of figs. In Jeremiah 24, we read this. After Nebuchadnezzar, this is verse 1, King of Babylon had carried away captive Jenokiah, the son of Jenokam, king of Judah, and the officials of Judah with the craftsmen and smiths from Jerusalem and had brought them safely to Babylon. The Lord showed me, behold, two baskets of figs set before the temple of the Lord. In verse 2, we read, one basket had very good figs, the first like first ripe figs and the other basket had very bad figs which could not be eaten due to rottenness god then told the prophet to the explanation of this revelation so essentially the explanation is this guys the nation was in rebellion to against god even though they were worshiping him hypocritically in the temple they had refused uh, to listen to the prophets. They had even stoned them for giving them corrections. So God pronounced a sentence of judgment upon the nation uh, 
of Israel, of Judah in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 1 through 15. And we're not going to read that right here, but uh, write that down so you can go in and look at that. And in this judgment, he was going to reject Jerusalem, even as he had previously rejected Shiloh. Now, to give you guys a little history lesson, Shiloh was the place that God forsook in the days of Eli, the high priest, because his sons were evil and the people were evil. So on the day that the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant, Eli's daughter gave or his daughter-in-law gave birth to a son whose name was Ichabod. And Ichabod means the glory has departed, meaning that God's glory had departed from Shiloh and it never returned there. And you can read about these things. Um, the ark was then taken um, to Jerusalem, where the glory of the Lord returned in the days of Solomon. So it only returned later in uh, the in Jerusalem. Two centuries later, God told the prophet Jeremiah that because the people had turned Solomon's temple into a den of robbers, that he was going to forsake Jerusalem in the same way that he had forsaken Shiloh. And this, of course, was fulfilled in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 18, and in chapter 11, verse 22 and 23. And in verse 16, we read in Ezekiel, As for you, Ezekiel, or excuse me, as for you, Jeremiah. Sorry, this is Jeremiah, verse 16. As for you, do not pray for this people, and do not lift up or cry a prayer for them, and do not intercede for them, for I do not hear you. We have to understand that once the judgment has been rendered in the divine court, that is the court of heaven, there can be no reversal of the judgment. So it didn't mean that Jeremiah couldn't pray for them uh, and pray for specific individuals um, to be spared, but he could no longer pray for the nation itself as a whole to be spared from destruction. Nor could he pray that God's glory would return in a physical temple to Jerusalem. And on this background, guys, hope you're understanding. We're coming back to Jeremiah 24. Jeremiah chapter 24. So, in Jeremiah 24, there, there's a basket of good figs. And these were men of Judah who had submitted to the judgment of God. Who went into Babylonian captivity. So, of course... Um, Nebuchadnezzar was given the authority by God to take over and take the people captive and take over the land. Uh, take over the land. Now, uh, there were certain people in Judah who who said, "Hey, listen, we should fight." And then there were certain who were saying, "No, this we should not fight. We should definitely submit because this is the judgment of God upon us." Those who submitted and went into Bat Babylonian captivity, those were the good figs. And their judgment was for good because they submitted to the decision of the divine court and God's righteous decree and judgment. God said that he would bring them back to the land and give them a heart to know me. And he says this in uh, Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 7. God said that he would bring them back to that land and give these good figs a heart to know him. The basket of bad figs. Those represented the men of Judah who refused to submit to the king of Babylon. And they refused to submit to the judgment of God. 
And God said of these bad figs in verse 8, Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 8, But like the bad figs, which cannot be eaten due to rottenness, indeed, says the Lord, so I will abandon Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his officials, and the remnant of Jerusalem who remain in this land, and the ones who dwell in the land of Egypt. And I will make them a terror and an evil for all the kingdoms of the earth, as a reproach and a proverb, a taunt and a curse in all places where I shall scatter them. And I will send the sword, famine, the pestilence upon them until they are destroyed from the land which I gave them and to their forefathers. You guys see that this is the judgment upon the bad figs who did not submit to the judgment of God. This are the bad figs of Judah. There are two types of figs. There are two types of trees. There's a good tree which produces good fruit and a bad tree which produces bad fruit. Both of them um, were Judahites, but only one tree uh, was did what God wanted, while the other tree did not do what God wanted. But they were both Judahites. I hope you guys are with me so far. This is such a contrast, guys. The fig tree, of course, was the symbol of the nation of Judah. It is apparent, though, that the two baskets of figs came from two different types of fig trees. So Jesus made these types known to us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17 through 20. And in 17, he says, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear bad fruit does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. The good tree brought forth good fruit. The bad tree, guys, brought forth bad fruit. Seems pretty clear. These are both of Judah. However, there was obviously a very clear distinction between the people represented by these trees. Now, the good figs were those who submitted to the judgment of God. Uh, specifically the Babylonian captivity, rather than fight Nebuchadnezzar. The bad trees, however, the bad figs, rejected God's judgment, and they refused to view Nebuchadnezzar as God's servant. So it's no surprise that Judah would consist of believers, that is good figs, and rebellious unbelievers, which are evil figs. And it's really no different from any other nation because there's not a nation in the world that has all righteous people or all unrighteous people. Every nation is a distinct mixture of good and bad. But in the case of Judah, guys, it is a matter of divine separation of two distinct fig trees. Because God intended to treat these fig trees very differently. So Judah has a calling on his life. Um, and he was given this calling, and it's called the Dominion Mandate. And the Dominion Mandate was given to those who produced good fruit. And at the same time, he intended to disinherit those who produced bad fruit. So he wanted to uh, give Judas calling, the Dominion Mandate, to those who produce good fruit, and at the same time to disinherit those who produce bad fruit. God had every right to 
even full-blooded Israelites, regard, regardless of their uh, genealogy. He had every right to disinherit anybody. It uh, doesn't matter w- what their bloodline was. Um, in fact, he actually did this earlier um, when he disinherited Reuben and gave the dominion mandate to Judah. So in First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1 through 2, this is, this is actually a little detail that's hidden. Reuben was the firstborn of Israel, Jacob. Um, but and even though he was the firstborn, he did something evil in laying with one of his father's wives, not his own mother, but uh, one of his wives. And um, so the birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, but the dominion, uh, the dominion mandate was given to Judah. And though Judah prevailed over his brothers and from him came the leader, that is the ruler and the prince, yet the birthright belonged to Joseph. So, and of course, you guys can read about these birthrights and the blessings that were given by Israel, Jacob, to, um, to his sons. To Joseph was given the birthright, which was the fruitfulness mandate of Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply. To Judah was given the dominion mandate, which would culminate in the king of kings, Jesus Christ. Um, and, of course, that is the same that is we read in uh, Genesis chapter one, I believe, probably verse 27, where it says uh, that they will have dominion over all these things on the earth. There's the dominion mandate and then there's the fruitfulness mandate. These are mandates that God has given to uh, had given in the, be- the beginning. Reuben, he was the firstborn, but he lost the dominion mandate because he had sexual relations again with Bilaha. And we see this in Genesis chapter 35, verse 22. The honor of the dominion mandate passed Levi and Simeon, uh, the next oldest of, of Leah, because of their violent legalistic nature. Remember, they went and circumcised um, all uh, a tribe of I think Philistines in Genesis 34:30. So the next person in line was Judah, the fourth son of Leah, and he received the dominion mandate. All right, and so um, Judah, the man, became a tribe, finally a nation of millions of people. And obviously there was believers and there was unbelievers among them. And as Jeremiah's prophecy tells us, there were good figs and evil figs in the nation. God made a distinction between them. He never allowed the rebellious Judahites to inherit the dominion mandate given to Judah. Just because they were of that lineage or of that family does not mean that they were given the dominion mandate. Only those who bore the fruit would do so would be given that mandate. God is not going to have unbelieving and rebellious people rule in his kingdom. And I think that's important to understand and to know. And this is the, under, this is the key to understanding who is a Jew and uh, what God defines as a Jew. God's definition is that he will not allow people who are rebellious and unbelieving to rule. He will not have that. After the 70-year captivity in Babylon... 50,000 good figs, quote-unquote, were turned to the old land to rebuild the nation. Why? They were good figs, of course, because they had submitted to the Babylonian captivity. They submitted to the judgment of God. 
Um, now these 50,000, they returned to the old land after 70 years of being in uh, captivity. And th they remained under the authority of King Persia, uh, the king of Persia, for about two centuries. And then Alexander the Great conquered Persia, and then the Judean nation, Judean nation came under the authority of Greece. And in 63 BC, they became under the authority of Rome when Rome conquered uh, Greece. Jesus was born under the dominion of the Roman Empire. He did not seek to overthrow the Roman Empire. He didn't treat the Roman soldiers as, or governors as enemies. He submitted to the divine judgment of the good as a good fig. He recognized that God had put the nation into a series of captivities beginning with Babylon. But there are still some other people who disagreed and who had the spirit of rebellion inside of them. So Jesus, in his teachings, he taught his disciples, including Simon Zealotes, the zealot, uh, in Luke chapter 6, verse 15, he taught his disciples how to submit to divine judgment as good figs. When Peter wanted to fight, Jesus told him to stop, and he even healed the Roman soldier's ear. The oppressors, the ones who had authority, the ones who were ruling over him, Jesus submitted to the divine will of God. He did not fight against the Romans. He did not cause and stir up people to, to fight against the Romans. The good figs believed in Jesus. The bad did not. The bad figs, they were looking for a military messiah. Uh, they were looking for someone who would revolt against Rome. But Jesus, the Prince of Peace, did not meet their expectations. And this, guys, is how the good figs became believers in Christ, Christians, and the evil figs who rejected Christ and ultimately revolted openly against Rome, they were obviously, of course, evil. And this is why Rome destroyed Jerusalem, as prophesied in Matthew chapter 22, verse 1 through 7. Thank you guys so much for listening to part one uh, of talking about who is a Jew. It's super important that we understand these things because in the church there are many people who uh, have Zionist motives or perspectives, and unfortunately, um, as we will start to see, there are, w you should not be thinking of Israel or the Jews over at Israel or those people who are representing the Jews in, in Israel or Hebrew Israelites or anything else. You should not be thinking of them as Jews according to the flesh, like man's definition defines. Um, but we should be thinking about a Jew as according to uh, the circumcision of the heart um, and those who are obedient and subject and loyal to Christ, our Messiah, and, of course, who are loyal and subject to the divine judgments of God um, and not rebellious against the divine judgments of God. So we will be looking a little bit more in, in depth into this kind of stuff, but this is our first part. Hope you guys got something out of it. Blessings to you and peace from God our Father. Uh, see you on our next episode.